Two guys walk into a bar. Two guys walk into a bar. Two guys walk into a bar. The first boy says, he goes, well, first he goes up to the bartender, of course. And the third one, Jeff. This isn't a joke or anything, it's just another example of what can happen. The second guy says, well, the bartender, okay. Well, the second guy says, he comes up and he's like, Cut to, <laughs> uh, like 20 years later, Joan Rivers is the bartender! Then you're gonna buy me drinks all night to the point where I get so drunk that I end up having sex with you later? That's right, my Uncle Joe the drunk. At one time he's in a bar, he's making a lot of noise, and this woman comes over. And the third one, Jeff. The bartender looks up and says, get the fuck out of here. Six bouncers hurled me out of a nightclub like I was a frisbee. And the bartender's all like, he comes up, you know, Look at that guy! He's wasted! In a bar! I came here to read a novel! So these two guys walk into a bar, right? And the third one, Jeff. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Third One Ducks, the podcast about comedy albums. And uh, more specifically recently, uh, older comedy albums. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, with me is Patrick Kilcoin. Patrick, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Good to be here, Brady. Yes, and I am Brady Cox. And together, we are the Super Twins. Yes. Uh, so which one of us turns into an animal and which one turns into a bucket of water? Uh, feeling a bit like a bucket of water today, but, you know, who knows? All right. I, I guess I'll be a, a monkey today. Or nice. Maybe a monkey with wings. They never did on that show where it was just like mythical animals that I recall. I don't remember a unicorn or anything like that. Is this all over your head? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it seems vaguely familiar, but yeah. Uh, so Super Friends, um, which was the DC Comics cartoon in the early 80s, late 70s, I believe. Um, for whatever reason, they added these two twins that were purple. And mm-hmm. um, they could only use their powers when they were together. And um, one could change into any animal they wanted, and the other could turn into water-related things, um, which is really lame power. But um, I have no idea why they added that for the cartoon, why they thought that was needed, maybe comic relief. Um, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, something I remember um, as a child. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, uh, so Patrick, uh, you seen any good movies lately? Um, no, I don't think I've seen anything since uh, I caught this Spider-Man one like a month and a half ago. But I don't think I've seen anything since then. Have Have you caught any good movies? Um, as far as movies, um, geez, good movies. That's different. Um, you know, I rewatched um the newer Willy Wonka the other day. Oh, sure. Um, I was, I was putting together my, uh, my exercise bike, which I haven't used yet. Um, which is what I, ex- I just about expected, but, um, I was putting that together and I, I wanted something on in the background. So I, th- I threw that on 
not as bad as I remembered. You know, okay. I mean, it is hard to beat Gene Wilder. I mean, that movie it's is very hard to beat Gene Wilder. A classic, and I will cherish that movie forever. But the the newer one, um, you know, it's more. It flows better with the book. Uh, you know, the Oompa Loompas are still a little um, disappointing. However, okay. you know, Deep Roy, um, you know, who played every Oompa Loompa in that movie, um, did a great job. Yeah. And uh, we shouldn't fault him um, for the lack of vision by the director. Is that, is that's, that's, that one was Tim Burton, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a Tim Burton one. Yeah, I feel a little weird saying that, but I, I honestly, I think it was a little lazy of him. Maybe that was a budgetary thing. Anyway, um, yeah. So, um, you know, if you're out there, folks, and it's been a while since you've seen that one, it's on streaming somewhere. I don't remember where I picked it up. Probably Disney. Sure. Yeah, somewhere give it, though. Give it another shot. So, mm-hmm. um, it was still entertaining. Patrick, you up to anything? You, you you got anything you want to plug? I have nothing to plug this week. Yeah, me neither. I haven't been doing anything. Um, uh, so today uh, we're talking about um, Nichols and May improvisations to music this album was released in december of 58 1958 it peaked at number 39 on the billboard 200 um this was nominated for the best comedy performance at the grammys uh it lost to the chipmunk song christmas don't be late um sure this was the first year at the grammys they had a comedy section and they just kind of jumbled everything together so singles were in there as well as albums. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, the Chipmunk song has is timeless and we listen to it every year. Maybe rightfully so. And um, this album, let's be honest, um, I had never heard of Nichols and May before uh, uh, we decided to listen to this. Uh, had you? I had not. I had not, though I was familiar with a fair amount of... Uh, a little bit both of theirs, but in particular Nichols' later work. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I'm, I'm going to go through some of the other uh, nominated for Best Comedy Performance. Uh, oh, definitely. There's uh, two Stan Freeberg things. There's the Best of the Stan Freeberg Shows, which were a thing. Uh, at some point, we'll be doing some Stan Freeberg on this on this, sh- this uh, show. There's, the, there's no doubt in that. Um, the second was Green Christmas, which... Uh, not the best Christmas song. It's talking about how, you know, Christmas has been ruined by capitalism. Uh, yes, even back in 1958, people thought that was a thing. The other uh, entry was by Mort Saul, another person we will be talking about eventually on this podcast, with The Future Lies Ahead. And you know what? I'll be honest. I may be a comedy nerd, but I don't know if that's an album or the title of the song. Um, maybe we'll figure that out eventually. Nichols and May. Um, let's let's talk about them a little bit because, um, you know, as uh, you and I, um, the audience may not be familiar with these two. Um, so uh, these two uh, began their career uh, at the Compass Players in Chicago. Uh, this was a predecessor to the Second City. Um, so they were working with uh, Paul Sills and Del Close. In the Compass Players, uh, uh, two of those two who um, were very um, prolific 
and um, important uh, as far as improv goes today, you know, leading all the way up to SNL. For a short time, uh, these two worked as a trio with Shelley Berman, another person we'll probably be talking about on this podcast at some point. It, it just didn't really work, and they, they, they felt like a duo was better for them. Uh, because they were uh, in Chicago, um, they did a lot of work for ad, ad campaigns. And I, I, I have a little, uh, I have a beer commercial. Do you want to hear a beer commercial from, uh, from the early 60s? Absolutely. Waitress. Yes, can I help you? Yeah, I'd like a glass of Mellow Jacks, please. Premium brewed from 100% natural ingredients to give you real beer taste. Mellow, bright, clear, and light Jacks. Very good. Right, and uh, I'll have the chopped sirloin plate, please. No, don't take the chopped sirloin. Take the chicken. Chicken? Yes. Okay. Take the roast chicken. Good, thank you. That's very kind of you. I'll have the roast chicken and uh, a nice green salad. No, 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 no. Don't take the salad. Here. Let me give you a vegetable. All right, fine. Uh, and the uh, coconut custard no, pie. No, no, no. Don't, don't take the pie. Take a pudding. Don't, don't eat the pie here. The crust is no good. Okay, okay fine. All right. And, and, and the Jack's beer right away, please. Thank you very much, miss. There's nobody listening here. Okay, well, thanks, Mom. It's all right, honey. Only this time, please tip me. But as you can see, the... Um you know the this commercial shows shows off the improv improvisational skills. Um, I have to emphasize on the right syllable there. So uh, basically, they would go in and um, and let's be honest: are these improved? Um, maybe maybe not. Um, but um, I'm sure they started out as an improv, and uh, mm-hmm. and and then these. Uh, you know, they would send the voices in, and then the animators would do their thing, and uh, voila, an ad is born. These two had a short career together. They they released, I think, three or four albums, and then they split up. Both of them went on to have great careers in in film. Uh, Nichols went on to direct *The Graduate*, and he won a, an Oscar uh, for best director. Uh, which is kind of a big deal, and uh, directed many other uh, movies, but uh, that is his most um, award-winning, I suppose. Uh, May um, went on to become a screenwriter. They got back together at one point uh, mm-hmm. because she wrote the screenplay to The Birdcage with Robin Williams, and he directed it. So they got to work together on that. It also uh, it was also on Wikipedia that she directed this movie called primary colors which in 1998 i'm sure everybody was uh nuts about i'm pretty sure i saw it uh it's this political uh movie with uh john travolta uh which uh has not stood the test of time okay um i'm, I'm sure you've never heard of it no i'm not familiar with it but yeah um they, they can't all be winners right i have um a very hard time remembering um which title goes with huh. which bit definitely definitely yeah i had to take some notes to um keep those all straight because the titles of the uh, pieces on this particular album are all referring to the music itself uh which then they create their improv sketches off of uh but they don't necessarily tie in name so it gets a little confusing Right. I, I mean, the, I I believe the first two tracks are very um, memorable. 
Um, but yeah. beyond that, it just gets into, um, I don't want to say more of the same. And, and here's the thing. Um, we're looking back on this from, you know, it's 2022. We're looking back at something from 1958 and um, judging it. I'm sure at the time this was cutting edge and um, super unique, but a lot of it seems to be more more of the same. And I, I'm not saying not to listen to this because honestly, I was I was very impressed personally. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know uh, how you felt about the album. Yeah, I'll agree with being very impressed. Um, it is almost more of a intriguing series of improv exercises uh, than necessarily comedy. Um, but the characterization that they're able to dive into pretty quickly on uh, just storytelling off the cuff is is very cool. Uh, so as an improv enthusiast, I enjoy it for those reasons. But it's it's not by any stretch a la- laugh out loud sort of album. It's uh, as far as comedy history goes, this is um, museum worthy, right? Um, mm-hmm. However. Um, as a child on a afternoon field trip, I don't much care about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I would say the first two tracks, again, are, are the most memorable. Um, and if you look at the playtime of these tracks, this is a very short album. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess they didn't really have high standards for comedy albums back then, but... Um, Regardless, um, uh, the one thing I want to um, bring up is on the first track, they talk about mimeographs. Patrick, do you, do you remember or do you are you aware of a mimeograph? Do you know what that is? Uh, based on the context, it seems to be some sort of essentially an early copier or some sort of tie to that or a fax machine, maybe. Yeah. Um, when I was uh, in grade school, um, most of the stuff we got was not from a copier. We got it from a mimeograph and, uh, the mimeograph used like this purple ink and it was this, mm. um, it was like a drum and you had to ink it a lot and you had to spin it. You'd hand crank it. Um, and so, um, you know, the teacher would, you know, come up with whatever their, um, lesson plans were, and then they would go to the mimeograph and, um, just make a bunch and um some teachers were better at it than others um as they say in the track you have to ink it you have to keep inking mm-hmm. it um uh they were messy and a lot of times you'd see the teacher's hands covered in purple it wasn't the greatest way to make copies but it was uh cheap and effective and, and that's uh, important. Yeah, and copy machines were um, expensive. So, um, yeah, just uh, feel like I need to mention that uh, because uh, it's a relic of the past at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I barely remember it. Uh, I think I want to say third grade's probably the last time I ever saw one like anything that was mimeographed. Um, and then, you know, we moved on. I, I did especially enjoy uh, Mysterioso, though, where um, they're both playing spies. 
Yeah, I thought that that was a really strong track, a uh, really strong sketch that they were working out there. Um, not entirely sure. I pictured them on a train. I don't know if that was ever expressly stated there. Um, having this kind of secret spy rendezvous, and there's a lot of talking codes, um, code words coming from, you know, uh, different desserts or how you do your laundry. I, I believe the... Uh, uh, no starch on the collar was one of the important things that was supposed to be relayed. Right, and where he dripped his um, his, his ice cream on his left or his right pant leg. I, I Personally, I pictured this in a park. Oh, okay. You know, facing a river on a bench. The thing is, is that, you know, this the code gets more and more convoluted um, as they go. And Therein lies the comedy. She also has a few moments where... You know, he'll say something like it has to be on a Wednesday, and her immediate reaction is just, oh, but that's impossible! And really upping the stakes and then going back down to the spy code was really solid as well. I would say this is pure comedy nerd historian territory. Mm -hmm. Enjoyable. I'm I'm glad I experienced it. Uh, But I, you know, who has a podcast about, you know, old comedy albums and doesn't want to listen to old comedy albums? That's a fair point. Right. The one thing I will say about this album is the first time I ever encountered it was uh, watching the Netflix Seinfeld special, uh, Jerry Before Seinfeld. Um, oh, sure. He's going through his rec- his uh, comedy album collection, um, basically just leafing through it. And this was one of the albums that I noticed that he had. Um, in fact, I, th- I think he brought it out because somebody mentioned like, oh, you got that one, you know. Um, so, uh, the point being that, you know, at one point this was a very influential, uh, comedy album. Um, so, um, it's important that we talk about it because, uh, you know, it, it influenced the people who influenced the people who, um, are out there influencing folks today, you know, cause Seinfeld, you know, has been around for quite a long time at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, aging wonderfully, that man. Um, yeah, yeah, he has been. Yeah, he's going to be a Dick Clark, I think. Very interesting comparison. I, I could see that. Two of the other most noteworthy tracks on there is is they do get to the second uh, piano concerto. Um, essentially, uh, a dentist and a patient. Um, or, or they seem to maybe maybe they've had an affair, but both of them are. Uh, now moving away, she's going to Saudi Arabia to become a uh, dental assistant or hygienist or something like that, and and uh, he's going to go be a dentist at a leper colony, and it, and it just escalates, I think, in a very uh, very strong way. And and then um, second last track that I also thought was a very strong one, uh, it's called Sonata for Piano and Celeste. Um, seems to be. It's a woman who I, I think she's with a therapist of some sort. Um, she's lost control of her legs. There's no real, uh, you know, physical reason for that. And as they start to peel back the story, she's guilty over essentially sabotaging her uh, sister's wedding. And and the slow build on that one. That's one of the longer tracks on the album. And by longer, I mean about five and a half minutes. But it, but there it it gets slow and builds in a very very nice way with um 
a very strange foot and a banana peel involved. I'm thinking about like just improv in general and how, um, you know, oh, one person's moving to Saudi Arabia and the other person's going to uh, move off to a leper colony and how that's so normal in uh, improv. Um, everything gets taken to like this wacky extreme. And uh, personally, I, I don't know about you, Patrick. I, I try to not do that as much. I try to let the comedy come from the relationships and uh, the realism of uh, the moment um, versus um, trying to be wacky. Yeah, I definitely think that that's uh, a good style to try for and, and works better when it when it does work. But, but sometimes you just have those opportunities to go to Saudi Arabia as a dental hygienist when you have no background in that. And, um, you know, there can be comedy there, too. True. True, true. I, I just feel that a lot of times it's it's being done for a quick laugh. And, um, you know, it, it, uh, there's there's room for that. And, and I am guilty of doing it as well. Don't get me wrong. Uh, especially, you know, when there's been a long, you're, you're crawling through the desert of no laughing, you know. And yes. um, it's just like, God, I, I get something out there. Um uh, you know, which I, I think exposes me as not a you know, very experienced. Um, well, I, let's be honest. Um, they can't all be winners, right? Um, right. In fact, I, I was working on a podcast previously, and that, that was going to be the title. Um, that, that didn't really work all that. It didn't work out for you know various reasons. Um, I think I was trying to do too much. Um. I think I had like four people on that, um, and uh, oh, okay, you know how comedy folks are getting trying to get four uh, comedians to do anything is, uh, or at the same time is uh, near impossible. It would be tricky. Uh, yeah, unless there's like money involved, <laughs> and obviously there's none involved in this show. I thought I was giving Absolutely. you a nice underhanded, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah, but that, that's Wait, okay. What? You don't, you don't have to, you don't I'm have to, shocked. you don't have to swing shocked. at every pitch. <laughs> like, wait, wait, we're not getting paid. Hey, what? Uh, yeah. I'm shocked. Uh, you can email us at uh, third one ducks at gmail.com. And oh, tell, good plug. Good plug. Right. Tell us, uh, you know, tell us how much you love us. Or how much you think we suck and should, you know, never do this again. Um, we, we may read uh, your email on, on the show. And if we do, uh, we're going to send you absolutely nothing. Uh, nice. Because that's what our budget uh, can afford at this point. I, again, we're, we're not, uh, nobody's getting paid here. Um, yeah, but we can afford a free Gmail account. So moving right. on up. Right. Uh, it was very, very easy to uh, sign up for that Gmail account, which is, um, I guess, a free ad for Gmail. So good for Gmail. Them. You've heard of it. Gmail. <laughs> that is an excellent ad campaign. Gmail. Mm -hmm. You've heard of it. And that's how comedy writing works. Um, somebody says something and the other person's like, that's good. Write that down. Yeah, I I know uh, in March um, 
probably about the time this uh, episode is going to air, I'll be uh, starting a, a, another, I think it's, it's going to be a sketch writing class um, at the back. Oh, very nice. Um, I think I'm in that with you. Oh yeah. Okay. Good deal. Um, and honestly, like, it's not like I need the class, but it's an opportunity to uh, get together with people, uh, like-minded people do comedy writing. Um, I, I think we're going to film some stuff this time. Um, well, that'd is, be cool. Which is good. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, if uh, you're, you're in the comedy, you're in the Omaha area, um, and you just want to um, come and have fun and play, um, sign up for a class of some sort. Improv works. Um, sketch writing. Um, what else is there? There's... Um, uh, sometimes they do stand up. Yeah, I think um, they they're doing a stand up one soon. Yeah, uh, occasional periodic musical improv. Right, musical improv, which um, you know, I'm fine with doing that in my bathroom mirror, but like I I just can't. It, it doesn't really work on stage for me. I think I got um, too much anxiety, and I I um, I get overwhelmed, and uh, it doesn't really work. I have issues, people. I take. Pills. But you're saying somebody, somebody involved with comedy has some anxiety issues. That that seems rare. Oh uh, yeah, it's totally rare. That never happens. Um, um, except for most always. Most yeah, always, pretty much everybody. Most always. Um, I was actually watching this uh, thing the other night. It was like a roundtable, and it was it was really weird. It was uh, apparently. Um, See, in, in my world, the way time works, this isn't impossible. Uh, but Bo Burnham, uh, Mark Marin, uh, Paul Provenza's on the show because he's hosting it. Unfortunately, you know, he's not uh, a lister like the rest of these folks. Uh, Gary Shandling, and I, I can't remember who the fourth person was, uh, but they were sitting around talking about comedy. And, um, you know, in my mind, Bo Burnham. Uh, started after Gary Shandling had uh, passed away, but uh, apparently not. Um, and um, they, every, you know, the, the topic was like how how to get into the industry. And uh, Bo was talking about how uh, a lot of people give him shit because he didn't, you know, have to hit the clubs for twenty years or whatever um, to make it out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, Bo's been on the scene for a while because um, he was he was really a YouTuber for uh, kind of how he got notoriety and then eventually uh, moved on to more specials. And right. yeah, he, yeah, he started doing YouTube stuff at like sixteen. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that guy is just naturally funny. Um, and uh, the guy has a talent. And he went for it, right? Um, I often think about how many people out there are naturally funny who never um, followed that. You know what I mean? Like, like if you had never um, gotten into improv, like I, I think that would just be a shame. It would be a waste. Yeah, that's a great point. So it, it's wonderful that so many of these people who do tend to be Fairly riddled with uh, 
anxiety and some other issues are bold enough to put themselves out there because I think it's uh, it's really wonderful. And I, I guess my my bigger point on that was, um, Bo Burnham for you know he doesn't claim to have any um, childhood trauma at all. Um, oh, okay. And he's just like, yeah, I, I don't have any. Um, um, and they're discussing that because, you know, um, you know, I, I think Seinfeld's the other guy that claims like that he has no um, hang ups or whatever. Um, I tend to disagree. Um, just, you know, observing him as much as uh, I have over the years. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, a little therapy could help him out a little bit. But, um, you know, for the most part, comedians uh, generally have some sort of childhood trauma or um, other issues that are, you know, hanging around. And it, um, I like to discuss this a lot because uh, I'm very open about, uh, all, you know, my therapy and, um, and whatnot. And um, because I, I, I feel that, you know, uh, it, it's a way to be a, uh, to uh, be a leader. You know what I mean? Um, um, somebody's got to do it kind of a thing um just advocate for the fact that um there's a lot of people walking around out there that uh could use some professional help um and that doesn't mean that you're a weaker person in fact i i think that admitting that you need help uh is such a hard thing to do that uh definitely it's a it's actually a stronger thing to do um so like you know there's people out there that are funny that uh um but um they have this anxiety and so they don't um do anything about it or do anything with it this this wonderful talent and uh you know i just like to say that uh you know what uh the worst that could happen is nobody laughs at you yeah um Going back to our last uh, episode, they're all going to laugh at you. Mm -hmm. um, for a comedian, I mean, the opposite is the worst thing ever, right? That's very true. This duality of not wanting to be laughed at and wanting to be laughed at is uh, uh, such a um, human and uh, comedic thing. I just, I, I appreciate it so much. Do you have anything to add Absolutely. on that topic or did I just wax a poetic um, or no, not these are all... or horribly for that matter? Yeah, no, I, I think you made some really great points. I uh, have no great insights this morning, but um... yeah, I, you know, and I assume that, you know, the, the vast majority of our listeners, all seven of them, um, you know, I, I bet six of them wow, have stopped. Seven. Yeah. Se wouldn't seven be amazing? Um, oh, wow. I, in my mind, there's seven, right? So, um, I'm betting about six of them have dropped off already and, you know, hit next and are listening to, you know, um, either Joe Rogan or, um, some sort of Doctor Who podcast. Yep. Those are big competitors. Right. Uh, at this point, um, you know, the wonderful world of, uh, toothpaste caps. Uh, I've heard good things about that podcast. 
Maybe you want to check that one out. Do you have any parting thoughts, uh, Patrick, at all? Nothing too brilliant or insightful. Um, just this is a uh, this improvisations to music by uh, Nichols and May is a solid album that I, I think. Um, even if you're you have to go into it understanding that it's probably not laugh out loud, like I said earlier, but I, I think it's a good listen for anyone who's um, an improviser. They just do a lot of interesting things stylistically, um, some good escalations and uh, definitely kind of establishing circumstances. So it's it's definitely some good, uh, you know, ground, not groundwork, but uh, fo- foundational work that I, that I, I'd recommend to those people for those reasons. If you're not one of them, uh, this maybe isn't for you, and that's all right also. In addition to that, I'm going to say that um, when you think about this time, um, you know, these days you go to an improv class, there's all these rules and whatnot, and like, you shouldn't do that, or or you should do this, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, as uh, as you take classes, those rules drop away. They're just there to give you some structure to start, um, you know, and, and, and there's any, any rule that's out there you can break. You just have to know why you're breaking mm-hmm. it. And, um, you know, so you're taking a chance and that's, that's fine. And, uh, it's art. You should never, uh, limit yourself. However, that being said, um, you know, these guys didn't have that sort of thing. Um, there was no, all of these quote-unquote rules they're following are unwritten at this point uh, for the most part um, because the folks that are writing these books on improv like are all hanging around with these two. Yeah, and definitely. I'm, or they haven't or they're like in grade school <laughs> at this point. So um, yeah, there's, there's something to be said about that, definitely. Again, if you have any input or you'd like to um, talk to us or suggested an album that we do uh you can reach us at third one ducks at gmail.com and uh thanks for listening and uh we'll see you next week um speaking of next week um the plan is to do uh two thousand year old man by mel brooks and i believe carl reiner's on that one as well you th- is he Reiner is he is um, yeah, it's Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. Yeah, I'm, I'm a you know consummate professional. That's why I don't have it pulled up here or any um, notes on it. Um, because we're gonna, for next week. Yeah, we're going to do it next week. Um, but uh, uh, for those not aware, this is supposed to be a very, very influential uh, comedy album. Um, uh, any comedian that was, uh, you know, I would say um, in their formative years at the time, um, we'll we'll quote and talk about this album being um, one of their um, their inspirations um, or how, or why they got into comedy. Um, personally, I've never listened to it, so this is going to be my first time. Uh, have you have you ever listened to it, Patrick? If I have, it's been quite a while. Um, it wouldn't stun me if I had gone through it at some point, just because I went through a definite pretty Mel Brooks heavy phase, but um, All right, it's well, worth a re-listen if I have heard it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that next week and uh, probably have the same conversation at that point. Um, Absolutely. Likely a little bit more in depth. Um, so again, if you've made it this far, all one of you, 
Um, join us next week. And uh, you already know what next week's episode is going to be. And those other folks, those other six, I got no idea. Wow. Yeah. Look at what you can learn just by, uh, you know, zoning out some rambling mess by uh, some guy on a podcast. All right, folks, uh, that's the show. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Have a good one uh, uh, for myself, Brady Cox, and uh, uh, my co-host, uh, Patrick Kilcoyne. Um, have a good day. Definitely. Good days, y'all. This has been Third One Ducks, brought to you by Brady Cox and Patrick Kilcoyne. Opening music, Ska of the Mountain King by Johnny Boyle, available at Upbeat.io. And that's upbeat with two Ps.